you can be seated. I, I tell you, if I'd ever live up to something like that, I'd be a good man. <laughs> I just want to say that he just loves me a whole lot. That's what it is. He just thinks a lot of me. I can never live to a reputation like that. <laughs> but I'm so glad to know that someone thinks that much of you. One time I'd, in my home church, I'd been preaching uh, just hard as I could and trying to do something for the Lord. And, and I went out. Someone said, I appreciated that message tonight, Brother Branham. I said, thank you. Thank you kindly. Someone, lady walked up and said, say, that was a marvelous message, Brother Branham. I said, thank you. Thank you. And uh, somebody else said something that went down. There's a minister visiting there. I said, well, he said, I don't like for people to brag on me. I said, well, there's just one difference. I said, I, I do. <laughs> and he said, uh, I said, I always like if somebody tells me whether I'm doing right or wrong. I like to know where I'm standing. He said, well, I wouldn't want nobody telling me that I'd done good. I said, I do. And I said, I believe there's just one difference between me and you. He said, what's that? I said, I'm telling the truth. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> we all we all like for somebody to tell us if we're... And I think any good thinking person would appreciate good, clean criticism if you're really wrong. Somebody just tell you you're, you're wrong and show you where you're wrong. I appreciate it. I want to be right. If somebody make me to be right. Always so many things. And I want to say that thank you so much for the compliments, brother, and so forth. And everything's just fine. I love you the same way, Brother Joseph. I realize that Brother Joseph has been nation after nation, place after place, putting schools together and sending ministers, all just a whole life worked up. I certainly have the greatest honor and respect for Brother Joseph Jose. He's my, truly my brother. Then, thank you for saying happy birthday to my lovely little wife tonight. She got in too late to get to the meeting, but I'm going to take all that warm welcome and tell her about it when I get home over there. How... She appreciate that. She is, and, and that's one thing. Brother Joseph bragged a little about me, but he didn't overbrag it on hers because she, she really is worthy of everything could be said. She's forty-two years old today. She's just a kid, you see. I married a child, and uh, so she, uh, she stood by me all like a real, real chum. And Billy, when his mother died, I was about twenty-five, twenty-six years old. And he had no mother crying and no one to take him to. And she's just a little girl like then, about 17, 18. She taking care of him. And later on in years, not even thinking more about ever marrying that child than I would some strange person sitting out there. Not that much. Her father and I were hunting partners together and was just raised up. Uh, her, I'd, she'd probably fuss at me and I'd slap her for a piece of candy. So that's the way it was. When we would just come up kids. So we... Just grow up together like that. Now, I never thought about marrying her, but I tell you, it was certainly a God-sent gift to me when, I, when God gave me my wife. And thank you so much. And through there, he's given me three lovely children. And uh, uh, she taken Billy Paul over and usually a mother, stepmother to come in. You know how it is about that? I can say this. She's not here. But it's true. Anyone knows it's my neighbors are here. That she loves that boy and just been... She was better to him than his, his mother. I've seen his mother give him the spanking when he wasn't six months old. But uh, media has never touched him at all. Just She ought to have done a little more, maybe. Or maybe it had been different. She left it all up to me. <laughs> but 
Uh, some people say they don't believe in spanking, but you know the scripture says you, if you spare the rod, you spoil the son. So I, I, I believe in correcting children. Keep in mind, we had more of that wouldn't have too much juvenile delinquency. Uh, now tonight is a Wednesday night, and we're just kind of a little night when I wasn't expecting very many people in because of churches, and the uh, uh, night's prayer meeting night at the churches, and I. Very thankful for the, for the audience. And it's a good thing that all don't come the same night because we w- couldn't do nothing with them. I said a while ago, how many is here? They said it uh, hadn't been to meetings before. Over half the audience. Last night, just two-thirds of them had never been to the meeting before. And it continues on. Now, there's so many things that we could say. I believe last night, if I'm not mistaken, in my message last night, speaking of... of uh, Forget what a text I preached on last night. Something there I was bringing about the, oh, the uh, forgotten beatitude. Uh, I believe that's St. Matthew, the 11th chapter, and the, the 6th verse or something like that. 11, 6, that. The forgotten beatitude. And blessed is he who is not offended in me. I was preaching on how people become offended in Jesus. And John had become, he didn't express it that way, but kindly offended because... That things didn't go this way he thought it ought to because he had introduced a Jesus with a, or a Christ Messiah with a fan in his hand and purging the floor and burn up the chaff. And when he come, he's real meek and lowly and gentle. And so they, he couldn't hardly understand what, a, what that was. It looked like he had a let down. And he's kind of a little bit of an offense, yet he had saw the Messiah sign and noted it was him. So he sent disciples to find out if that was him. Now, that was terrible to say a thing like that, but John was anointed with the spirit of Elijah, and Elijah almost had a nervous breakdown, too, you know, under the juniper tree. And here with John, as long as you're standing there giving it out, it's all right, but when he has to take it in, then it's a little different, see. So John in jail, his eagle eye had filmed over. And um, so we've seen that Jesus never gave him any le- lectures or tell him how to tell John to do it, he just says, stay to the meeting's over and see what happens. And after the meeting was over, he said, now go show these things to John. The lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, so forth. And the poor has the gospel preached. And blessed is he who is not offended in me. Then begin to talk about an offense. And then I, was, I referred to a little child that was from Zion, Illinois, up here. And if I'm not mistaken... Somebody told me or said they thought they were, that that child was in the building tonight. Is that right? Is the mother here with that child uh, from Zion City, Illinois, that had the crippled leg twisted up under it and is now walking? She's either to be here tonight or tomorrow. That's the mother. God bless you, sister. Was you here last night? All right. It's all right. I didn't, I didn't, I, you understood what I mean. You weren't bringing a fence, but you were just... Uh, uh, you just wondered what was going to happen to that child. Is that right? <laughs> All right. The Lord did just what he said he would. Oh, didn't he? That's wonderful. Thank the Lord for that. You got the baby with you? Listen here. Well, that, uh, the little mother went out. She had her faith all built. Oh, my. Just as soon as I laid hands on the baby, it's going to happen right there. But you see, that really, sometimes, if, we, if that's true faith, there is nothing going to stop it. So out the trailer, the little mother brought the baby the next day, and she's kind of wondering her and her little husband, and want to know why the baby's leg didn't come down. 
Well, I never said nothing, and I thought, she believes that, and the girl really believes it, so it, it's got to happen as long when she went out, she said something back to me, do you think, Brother Branham, it's the uh, will of God for my baby to be a cripple? And I said, no, sir, it isn't. That's just what she's waiting for, see. So he honored it and healed the baby. And coming in just a few moments ago, I may be mistaken in this testimony, but there is... If the woman is here, I thought I'd seen the car out there in the trailer. There was a lady came to my church recently, about, oh, it has been over a year or two ago. That lady was way out like this with a tumor. Oh, you never seen such a tumor. The doctors couldn't even touch it. It was such a horrible condition. And uh, so bad that she couldn't even walk. They had to pack her. Well, she heard us going to be at the church that night. You know how it is, that little tabernacle there. So... After service is over, I did not pray for the sick. I just offered prayer. And, and I guess she was kind of uh, had an offense, too. <laughs> but however, one of the faithful deacons and some of them, they knew when I went out through the study room or the deacon's office at the back, they packed this poor woman around there. Great big woman. And that big tumor, oh, horrible. And they... Later down there at the step where when I come out, I'd either have to step over or something. So then when uh, I come out, she spoke the word and God gave me the word and I spoke it back. And about about last summer, I believe it was, she stopped out front with her husband on the road back to California. That woman is just as smooth. That tumor was completely gone. There is, and if, if that I, I saw her at Bloomington the other day, and I said, "Sister, I'd like for for you to stand up tonight." And some ministers got a hold of me, and I got to talking and forgot about. It. I think that's her car and trailer sitting out here with California license. If that woman's in here, would you just hold up your hand, sister? Or yes, there she is in the back. That's right. Would you mind stepping out in the aisle there just a moment so that people could see? Pull back your coat so that people could see your... With a tumor so big, it was... Uh, if, if that would have been you in that shape, you could felt like that too. Now remember, she was so big that she could not even walk around like this. They had to pack her with the tumor out like this, and it's every speck disappeared, went away, and it's gone. Now, we don't... There's another lady, I think, in this building tonight, a registered nurse. I seen she and her husband the other day here. They're bosom friends of mine to see how long it lasts. And on the records of Houston, Texas, she's last hopes dying, eat up with cancer. And they brought her to the meeting. And when my brother, Howard, was giving out prayer cards that night, he usually comes up front like Billy would do it, mix up the cards and give the people a prayer cards. And this woman sitting there looked over to another lady worse off than she was this nurse, and having a feeling for sick people, she gets up and goes all the way to the back and finds her seat all the way in the back. That night when Howard came in, my brother, to give out prayer cards up in the front, the Holy Spirit said, go back and give them out in the back tonight. 
And she got the prayer card coming the line. The Holy Spirit told her about it and absolutely, completely healed her. And she has been about 10, 12 years ago or maybe more. And she's still a registered nurse running a nursing home down in Texas. Re- Sister Harris, are you here tonight? She's a registered nurse somewhere, a lovely, beautiful woman. from Here she is. That's right. A registered nurse. Last cases of cancer. Doctors on the case down there know that later back. And now they tell me that doctors retiring and things comes to her for help. Knowing that she's a God-fearing Christian that gave her life to Christ and God healed her. Oh, what am I trying to say, friend? Don't be offended. He's no offense in him. He's running right on schedule. Then... The Holy Spirit led us to say last night that we are not way back behind, neither are we advanced. We're just exactly on schedule. This timely message that we have today, and if somebody said, oh, that's days of past, and somebody like that, go tell John, your pastor, or whoever who it is, see, the lame walk, the blind see, the tumors vanish, and the cancers are healed. How long is it lasting? Just as long as you believe it. That's right. That's how long salvation's lasting. So just as long as you believe it. So now, be of a good courage. Have faith in God. And Christ is not left us. Don't be offended. If he promised it, he'll do it. And he's right on time. Just exactly. He's right on schedule every moment. And you say, Brother Benham, I feel tonight's my night. I'm going to be healed. Don't worry. He's right on schedule. You can stay on schedule. If you believe this is your night, this is it. Let us bow our heads just a moment for prayer. Gracious and holy Heavenly Father, as we approach thy throne of mercy, give us of thy grace tonight to preach the word of God so that people may see and believe. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. While I was praying, the people that brought my, my wife up this afternoon and my little boy, Joseph, is um, here in the building somewhere, I suppose, they got in. He was a Jehovah Witness, and his wife, I think, was uh, Anderson Church of God. She had been a tuberculosis healed. She had a crippled son, polio on his legs, drawed his legs. And they followed the meeting. There's Houston, Texas, I believe. That's where our sister Harris, or where she's at, is dark in the corners. Wherever she was over there was healed. And they were there that night that the light came down. They were in Louisville. They lived outside of Kentucky. And they come in. And Brother Woods himself, I guess not much on it, being a Jehovah Witness. And raised up in that kind of a family. And stricted to stay away from churches and so forth. But he's seen a girl that night that had been turned into this petrifying. And for years, she'd laid, come up around her hips and cut and move for years. She rose up from there, walked on across the platform, took her stretcher and went on home. Work, run up and down steps the next day. Little boy sitting in a wheelchair, one leg longer than the other, raised up, come up to the platform and stood there and a little fellow preached right off the platform, both legs the same. And... That got him started, so I went to Sweden and come back, and they was over here somewhere at a meeting, uh, somewhere here in Ohio, and they were sitting way back in the back of the tent. That night, the Holy Spirit said, a little boy back there with the 
sweater on, a little yellow sweater. His mother and father and all about them, they never even, they know, I never heard of nothing. He's a contractor up in Kentucky. And said, Thus saith the Lord, the crippled boy is healed. Well, they sat there a little while directly. She said to her husband, Has the boy stand up, something like that? And the boy stood up and both legs was the same. That boy is a young man tonight, married, got a child. And if I'm not mistaken, David, are you in the building? David Wood, where are you? One leg drawed up under him and the other. Are you here, David? There he is standing in the door. Would you just walk down this way a little bit, David, so they can see there's not... <laughs> Doesn't even know which leg it was that drawed up under him. Uh, the sister from Zion there with the little baby, you see what God did for one of those drawed up legs, you see what he does for yours. He's still God. He's right on schedule. The only thing for us to do is just schedule our faith with his being here, and it'll happen. Now, just for a, a short message, and Billy complimented me last night that I really got through in about 35, 40 minutes. I've been taking two hours a little better, but... He, he said, you're doing good. If you can get it down to 20 minutes, it'll be better for the people. And I said, well, that's going to be hard for me. And so, see, it's uh, kind of hard. i got a lot to talk about because we've got a great big Lord that's coming. And I love it so much I just keep on talking. But you that wants to look in the Scripture, if you'll get into 1 Kings, the 22nd chapter, the 14th verse, that one verse for a little text to make the context from, if the Lord... Helps us to speak just a few moments. And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that I will speak. Now we got a great story here ahead of us, but not time to approach it in the right way. And uh, uh, tomorrow night, if I can, the Lord willing, or one night, uh, I'd like to go back into the Old Testament here and pick up uh, the article on prophets and bring them out. If he's willing, then it seems like he's been dealing me, with me to take Thursday and Friday night and preach the mark of the beast and the seal of God. And it's a timely thing. I think the church should know. Now, in this we find that there was a king in Israel at this time by the name of Ahab. He was a king of Israel, and at this same time, Jehoshaphat was king of Judah. And uh, Jehoshaphat was a righteous man, a God-fearing man. And his father Asa, before him, was a God-fearing man. But we find that Ahab was kind of what we call a borderline believer. Uh, just a fellow that kind of went any way the winds blowed by it, tucked Ahab. And he had a, uh, a wife by the name of Jezebel. And he had uh, married this girl only to strengthen his kingdom. And uh, she was an idolater, and she'd got Israel all tore up, and uh, the preachers that all went what was uh, real good preachers that went lukewarm and and there's just about all of them went back. But there's one old man they couldn't turn, and that was Elijah. He wasn't fooling him. So he, he stayed right with that word. 
And so uh, he had prophesied about what would happen to Ahab. So then one day, Jehoshaphat was called down to visit this king of Israel, which they were just like a brother and Methodist and Baptist and Presbyterian Pentecostals. They were brothers as all the same race and same supposed to servingly the same God. And um, Ahab was still, he was a believer, a lukewarm, borderline believer, but his wife was, uh, he was the head of the house, but she must have been the neck to turn the head, you know. So whatever she said, she was the system. And brother, let me say this with respect to some of you good square-back Democrats. That's what we got now. He may be all right, but there's a system behind there that turns the head, and we've done the same thing. We'll get to that later on. So, however, this woman, she just running. Whatever she wanted, she just got with him and made him do it, wrapped around his finger, and she run the throne. She was the power behind the throne. And so uh, Jehoshaphat was invited down to visit Ahab, and Ahab showed him all the finery that Israel had. Now, that's when a believer can get on the wrong company. When Jehoshaphat went down to fellowship with Ahab, he got in the wrong pew. Now, there's so many times that people can do that with good intentions. People don't mean to do wrong. I believe there's many people tonight that's in sin that really doesn't want to do it. Some time ago, a beautiful young girl in a psychopathic room, and uh, they had an emergency room, and I went back there as pretty a woman as I ever seen. I looked around at some of them in the straitjackets, and she said, would you take me first, Brother Branham? And I thought, take first. You're not one of the, uh, the patients, and, but she was. And she told me about how I should live. And I said to her, I said, you don't want to do that, do you? She said, no, sir, I don't. Something drives me to do it. I said, it may seem old-fashioned, but that's the devil. And she said, I've always believed it. And God delivered the woman. She's married and got children tonight. And she was a drunkard, alcoholic, prostitute. Oh, you never, such a horrible life. But it's just, they don't want to do it, but something drives them to do it. They don't want to do it. I went out on the bar and picked up those drunks and I say, uh, what's your name? Will you buy me a drink? No, I won't buy you a drink. I'm a minister. And say, stand up and look this way, and you can see the bank that I was president of. See? That's lots the truth. See? But they, they don't want to do it. Something drives them to do it. I've got a friend sitting in here somewhere, perhaps tonight. She always comes. And all of you nearly are acquainted with Rosella Griffin. She's one of the biggest alcoholics Chicago had. Skid Row had nothing on Rosella. And she came to the Hammond meeting, and there the Holy Spirit called her out and told her all about it. And she was delivered from that alcoholism. And now... She works the jails and things with other alcoholics. Rosella, where are you at, sis? Are you in the building tonight? Yes, sure she is, right here. And uh, uh, a, a saint of God, lovely person who gave her life and surrendered herself to Christ. And now, when I seen her come on a platform, she, excuse me, sister Rosella, she was a batty-eyed, wretched-looking witch. This year. Oh, you never seen such a looking person? And I want you to, I don't say this to flatter, but Rosella tonight is a lovely, beautiful young woman. She's 15 years, looks 15, 20 years younger than what she really is. And she 
She's a, a lovely person that, and never took a drink of alcohol when hospital after hospital and doctor after doctor, alcohol synonymous of Chicago, all of them give her up as a hopeless case. And there she sits tonight after years and years. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. That's it. Alcoholics, you see what God can do? Cancer cases, see what God can do? Short legs, crippled, see what God can do? He's God. He's right on time. Now, we find out that this man got in the wrong company. And sinner, you hear those people shouting. You seen that woman run down through there and started this way with that great big tumor? So full of glory she couldn't, couldn't even say nothing and start speaking in tongues? Why, she was so filled up with the power of God that had tucked that tumor out of her. They, she couldn't speak her own language. She was just praising God, see? You wonder what makes them do that. Well, you just get the same thing in and watch what it does to you, see? It'll be the same thing. So he's right on schedule for the promises to your children and to them that's far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You say, my pastor, my church don't believe that. Well, you're, you've got wrong company. You've got wrong company. That's what uh, Jehoshaphat did. He got in wrong company. He got a lot of glitter, and Ahab showed him all the glittery things. That I guess Jehoshaphat said, you still believe in Jehovah? Oh, certainly we believe in Jehovah. Certainly, certainly. All right, he said, now, when you see the world inviting you somewhere, remember, they got an axe to grind. See? And young lady, you here coming out of a Christian home that's never smoked or drank, and that girl tries to give you a cigarette, she's got an axe to grind. That young man wants to take you out to a dance, there's an axe to grind. See? Just watch. Keep out of that company. Keep away from it. No matter how good they seem to be, shun the very appearance of evil, the Bible said. Stay away from it. Don't see how, how close you can get to it without sin and see how far you can stay away from it. That's the thing to do. Don't ever see how close you can go to sin. See how far you can stay away. Like the Scotsman was that was going to go over the mountain. They had three drivers there. One of them said, he said, well, that great cliff, he said, is that the road up there? He said, that's the road. He said, well, how wide is that road? He said, that road is just ten inches wider than the wheels and uh, the carriage in places said, you better choose a good driver. He said, I must ascend the mountain. Go over it. One man said, I can drive my horses at a gallop and uh, was, uh, take my whip and drive my horses at a gallop and stay within two inches of that rim all the way around without falling. The other driver walked up and said, I can stay within a, three inches of that rim and go around it in a full gallop. The other fellow just standing there picking on his thumb said, what about you, sir? said, sir, I might be able to do that, but I don't want to take that kind of chance. I'll stay just as far against the side as you want to. He said, I'm your passenger. <laughs> that's right. And that's the way it is. Don't see what you can do to get by with it before God. See how far you can stay away from sin and all shapes and orders and unbelief and abstain from everything that's ungodly. Get away from it. Stay away from it. And I think if a man's ever been over in Canaan's land and tasted the good things of God, you don't have to worry much about he or she about it. They'll stay away from it. As long as they've ever tasted them good grapes of Canaan. Now, Jehoshaphat come down. And Ahab showed him all the glitter of the kingdom. And now he had an axe to grind. And he said, uh, do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us up there? 
When Joshua divided the land, you're a witness of it. Yes, sir. That you're a witness that that was allotted to us and the king of Syria has it. And it belongs to us. So now, isn't that the truth? He said, mm, that's true. Sure. That we're all Israelites. He said, now, when you join your army with my army and both of us together, we'll go up there and run him out of there. Because that's ours. And see, they can show the world can, the devil can show you some mighty good shining reasons. And even bring it down into the scripture. Yeah, say, well, now, we're all just, we're all children of God. All men are sons of God. Oh, no. <laughs> no. We all believe the same things. Oh, we don't either. No, sir. <laughs> we certainly don't. And so, um, they, uh, you know, Jude was told, said, commanded to earnestly contend for the faith. Not a faith, the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. That's right. Not contend for a faith. The faith that was once delivered. And when you got that faith, Jesus said, These signs shall follow them. It has that faith. So that, then you know where you're standing. See? And then you know what kind of life you would live. So Jehoshaphat said, Why, sure, after all, we're the same people. He said, uh, My chariots is your chariots, and, and my uh, horses are your horses, and, and my uh, soldiers are your soldiers. Well, sure, we're all together. Said, Why can't we just <coughs> go up there? Pardon me. And we'll run out. But said, and then he turned around. He must have thought, well, wait a minute. We ain't asked the Lord about this. See, a real believer, before he does anything, no matter what, how good it looks, he'll always consult God first. Right. Amen. Yes. Right. You know, I've seen a lot of times people come to me and say, oh, Brother Branham, if you'll come over here, we'll have so much sponsorship. We'll do so much We'll guarantee there'll never be a penny left uh, unpaid, and we'll, we'll give you so much each night, real shiny. But, you know, monkeys jump at things shiny. So let's just wait. Fool's gold outshines the real gold. You know, the other night I said that uh, Christ is a, a glow, not a glare. We'll never be able to convert the world by trying to uh, shine up our churches and make them bigger and polish up our ministers with better education. They already got all that stuff. They got all kinds of psychology and ball games and everything. The world's got that. But we got something they haven't got. That's Christ. Just stay in your own territory. We got Christ. They don't have Christ. They got all the psychology. Oh, don't try to match them with which you can't do it. They, they don't. They can outmatch you. You go to a Catholic priest one time, try to outmatch him with wits. He's got six hundred books just as sacred in his Bible. He's got to learn. So, brother, don't ever try to match him with wits. I'll tell you that. But if you just stay with the Holy Spirit, it'll do the rest of it. See? You just stay with that. See, but we're not supposed to match wits. We're supposed to have Christ. That's what we have. We got something that they haven't got. So you ought to always consult the Lord before you do anything. And when you say you're going to do a certain thing, if it be the will of the Lord, you must say. If it's the will of the Lord. The Bible tells us that. Jehoshaphat remembered his good teaching that his father gave him. He said, don't you think we should consult the Lord? I can imagine uh, Bishop Ahab saying, oh, oh, why? Why, certainly, yes, sir. I, I believe we should do that. Well, now, I've just got the group right down here because I've got a, I've got a whole school of preachers down here, prophets. Now, remember, they were prophets. I've got a whole school of them down here. Are, what kind of prophets are they? Jehovah's prophets. we got them right here. And uh, 
Well, uh, I'll go get them up. All right, that'll be fine. So all of them come up, and Ezekiah and all of them, he was the chief of among them, the chief bishop. So when they all come up before the kings, and they sat with their royal robes on, you know, to make uh, out in this uh, kind of an out-of-way place for the gate, and the prophets come up, 400 of them. Think, 400 students. Oh, yeah. Not students, they were ordained bishops, oh, big fellows. They said, we have prayed, we have fasted, we've got the will of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Jehovah. Go up and take it over. For it belongs to us, and it's ours, and we rightly have a right to it. Let's go get it. They say, let's figure that out now. Now, mentally, that's right. It was given to us. Mm-hmm. Right? And now, that prophets, let's see now, in our psychology, our thoughts, our psychic mind, that belongs to us. God gave it to us. It belongs to us. Uh, heathen nation owns it. See my prophets? They're everyone saying, go up and get it. And you know, a man that's ever once got in contact with God, he, he can kind of tell whether it's of God or not. You know, Jehoshaphat kind of felt a little funny. He said, uh, uh, haven't you got one more? He said, one more? Well, there's 400 of the best educated, best trained, best dressed in, well, there is in the country, in the world. Yeah. If 400 with one voice saying, oh, why you ask for one more? But there's a little funny feeling down there, you know. There's something wrong. So uh, you see now, when you go to think that, that if we all get together in unity, why well, there's power, but it might not be the right kind of power. <laughs> Where there's unity, there's power. Where there's agreement. That's right, if it's agreed on the right thing. And we'll go with that. But let it be back to the Word of God first. See? And so they said uh, that's how our first organization was ever formed, our famous Catholic Church. That's what they say. You know, organization, a, a Nicaea council there. Don't you think they're at Nicaea that they ought to know when all, they voted the rest of them out and voted this in? Not still didn't make it right. No, sir. And uh, it's right when God says it's right. And it's not right until He says it's right. That's exactly, no matter how great it is and how much it's withered. A priest told me not long ago, said, Why, Brother Branham, it was, or Mr. Branham, he didn't call me Brother Branham. He said, Mr. Branham, it proves you the Catholic Church is right. He said, look at the storms that's withered all down through the ages like that. My people formerly were Catholic, you know. So, being an Irishman. So they say, all down, so look what the Catholic Church has stood, all the persecutions. That, I said, that's no mystery. The whole state and everything else behind it. Well, what about the Pentecost with everything against it? It still survives. Amen. That's right. Everything against it. Sure. Everything for the Catholic Church, sure, it could survive that way. But what about everything against it and murdering them and killing them and everything else? How did it survive? And here she is today, shining like a dollar. Amen. Like the stars of heaven who will forever. Now, notice... This Jehoshaphat, he said, there's a little something wrong down in his heart. He felt there's something wrong. said, but ha- have you just got one more prophet somewhere? He said, yeah, I got one. Uh, it's uh, Micaiah out there. He's the son of Imlam. But said, I hate him. Oh, he know right there. He's on the right track. He said, oh, don't let the king say that. Go get him. Well, what will we need with one more when the whole, when the whole organization says it's right? <laughs> that still don't make it right. Not a bit. Not a bit. He said, no, I still got to have to see this other prophet. So he said, uh, what did you say his name was? I said, Micaiah. He's the son of Ammon. He said, well, go get him. Let's hear what he'll say about it. 
Because there's some little funny feeling it didn't agree with the word somewhere. So they sent uh, Ahab, dressed him up a soldier, sent up there and found Imlin out there somewhere, or uh, Imlin rather, I mean Micaiah, uh, the son of Imlin. He's out there somewhere in a jungle in a little hut somewhere. He said, now, Micaiah, uh, you're the prophet Micaiah? He said, I am. He said, did you know you're going to be honored? Oh, I am. Like, God hadn't already talked to him, you know. So he said, I am? Yes, yeah. You're going to be invited over to a, a, a clergy association is going to meet together. And uh, they've all met down there to the king, and you're going to the White House. I'm telling you, Micaiah, you wouldn't have thought you'd ever got an honor like that, but you really got it. A little bitty uneducated fellow like you sit back here, but they, they won't bring you up to the, before the king. And they, 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 now listen, you know where the big school of prophets is, the great Universal Organization of uh, Ministerial Association? Yes, uh-huh, I know, all, yeah. know about them down there. Well, you know, uh, you certainly know Ezekiah there, the great head chief prophet of all of them. Yes, I've heard of him. Yes. Great man, they say. Yes, he is. And he says he's got a LLPHDDQS, all these things. No, yes, I know. Well, he, with all of them, with one accord, has come and prayed over a thing. They fasted and prayed, and he's made him two great big iron horns. He's positive, got the world of the Lord. So he said, he come up before the king and took these big horns and said, By this, you're going to push the Syrians right off of God's ground, and we're going to possess God's possession. Amen. That's what we thought in our organizations. We're going to push everything back and make them all oneness. We're going to make them all Trinitarian. We're going to make them all assemblies of God. We're going to make them all Baptists or Methodists. But our iron horns don't work. Right, right. You don't do it like that. You don't push them around. No, you're going to push it back and take over and possess the thing. Our organization system is all right as long as you don't cut the other fellow out. But when you cut the next brother out, you're wrong. So that's what they've done. That's what an organization, the very background of it is, is cut the other fellow out. So then um, you find out then, and he said, well, if all that ministerial association is saying, I'm going to tell you, I got a word from that chief prophet. He said, you say the same thing he said. If you do, come down there, we'll take you into the association. <laughs> we'll just make you one of us. Yeah, we'll, we'll tell you, we'll join you right up with our groups if you'll just, just say the same thing he said. Uh, brother, he said it to the wrong man. Micaiah said, I'll just speak what God speaks. And that's all. Amen. I like that. Yes, sir. I'll just say what God says. So they finally come down there and got before the king. And Micaiah take him the night before the Lord to see what he would say. So they walked out before the king. And here stood all the, the school of prophets around. And they were all standing there prophesying. Now, remember, they wasn't heathen prophets. They profess to be Jehovah's prophets. But just watch now. So they find out that after they said all the all of them had prophesied and said, Yes, the Lord still says, Go up. He's with you. Take the city. Micaiah looked around and said, Go ahead up. Take the city. Ahab knows there's a little something wrong with that. He said, How oft I have to jury you? He said, Sure, go on up, take the city. But he said, I see. Seen Israel scattered like sheep on the hill, having no shepherd. Ahab, that got his righteous indignation stirred. He said, what did I tell you? He was going to prophesy evil. All he talks about condemning our women with wearing shorts. <laughs> all these things he tells us about all of our... Oh, no, he's going to always say something evil about me. So as he gets up there, that's what he's going to say. 
What else could he say? He said, I saw the sheep of Israel scattered on a hill like a sheep having no shepherd. And, and oh, mighty noted it made his death. And he said, uh, oh, he boiled about it because he, he said, I told you he'd prophesy evil. Well, how could he do anything else? Because he tested his vision with the word of God. And he knew that the word of God had said to, to Ahab, to Elijah, who was really the prophet of God, that the dogs would lick the blood of old Ahab uh, in the field or on the chariot. That the dogs would lick Ahab's blood. And God was against Ahab. And how could this man of God bless what God had cursed? How, how can a minister stand in the pulpit and tell the people... Things that they do and let them get by without saying anything about it, it's more than I can say. You know, in China, their great god down there is an ancient philosopher they call Confucius. Confucius is a word in China. In America, it's confusion (laughs) instead of Confucius. Oh, it used to be that you get a picture. I went some time ago to a place to eat, somebody asked me. And it looked to me like it, my little boy, Joseph, had got into a paint bucket somewhere of several different kinds of paint and messed the wall all up. I said, a nice place like this with a dirty-looking, splashy-looking thing like that hanging on the wall. Oh, I asked the waitress. She said, well, that, that's on canvas. I said, it sure looks like been under the dripping of a paint on a ladder somewhere where they made some kind of a decoration. She said, oh, she said, sir, that's by so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, it didn't even look like a painting at all. And uh, she said, I, I forget how many hundreds of dollars that painting cost on that wall. Well, I said, if it me, I'd give that much to get it off of there. I said, because it would worry me to death. It's so sickening looking. You know, it used to be black was black and white was white. You mix it together and you got gray. <laughs> so that's just the way it is. You're so mixed up. Where is a drawing line between right and wrong? Methodist is right. What about Baptist? If Presbyterian is right, what about Pentecost? There's a drawing line somewhere. And that drawing line is God's Word. That's the Word. God's drawing line is His Word. Let every man's Word be a lie mind the truth. So how can we bless what God has cursed? How can you let the man be married two or three times and deacons in your churches? How can you let the women wear bobbed hair and shorts and dress themselves all sexy, come up in the platform and play the piano and get out in the streets and walk around like that and not say something about it? You can't stop it, but you can give a word against it. And 95% of them smoke cigarettes and carry on and drink beer. I was in a... A college not long going on the campus of the grounds. Young ladies walk around, shorts on and beer cans laying everywhere. And ministers laughing, making fun of the gospel. Well, how can you expect the next generation, what are they going to be? Where's the drawing line? I used to have an old Methodist friend, Dr. Spurgeon. He used to sing a song, we let down the bars, we compromise with sin. We let down the bars, the sheep got out, but how did the goats get in? It's when you let down the bars. That's what did it. Tuck away with some fantastic idea of 
uh, some young whipsnapper over there in college that knowed more about it and, and God did himself and you start a doctrine on something like that. Come back to the Word. No matter you say, well, it's, it, it, it says this, it does this. It's got to be God's Word all the way through. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, day, and forever. Not a dead God, a living God. Not one that healed the sick back there, one heals the sick now. What good does it do to talk about an ancient God if He isn't the same God today? Certainly. Now, you can't get warm by a painted fire. So something that you say it was one time, we got to have something now. And that same God still lives, He still heals, He still saves, He still gives the Holy Ghost, and, he, and it's the same Jesus Christ yesterday, today, and forever. Now, so, see, Micaiah had, had based his faith upon his vision first, and then he took his vision and compared it with the Word of God. Then he knew he was right. And now that's the way we ought to do it. If our, if our theology will take the Word of God and our, the things that we do, and it dovetails to the Bible, completely with the Bible, that's all right. And if you do that, you're going to be all right. But if it doesn't, leave it alone. God will only bless what he said he would do. Now, we find out that Ahab was a cursed person because of prophet. And he said, I last in my vision, he said, when he saw a vision, he saw God sitting up on the throne. And said, the host of heaven was standing on his right side and on his left side. And they must have been having a council meeting. And he said, uh, who can we get to go down there and deceive Ahab? Now, remember, deceive Ahab and bring him out there in that field so he can get killed to fulfill the word of Elijah. Glory. Hallelujah. How God will stand behind his word. That was a prophet said that. But Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, be moved and don't doubt, but believe that what you said will come to pass, you can have what you said. When you know it's the word of the Lord speaking. That's why I could say to that woman that had the big tumor, to the lady with the cancer here tonight, the different ones. Because first it's a vision. It compares to the word. He's the same yesterday and forever. There's the vision. Then it happens. It's thus saith the Lord and it has to happen. Nothing can stop it. See? Now it's been a long time since Elijah had made this prophecy. He'd been glory along. But he would, uh, he had made this prophecy and he knew it was coming to pass. And then Micaiah knew that Elijah was a man of God. And here was God up in heaven holding a council up there how to bring the word of Elijah to pass. And if you've got the word of the Lord and will speak the word of the Lord and don't doubt the word of the Lord, God will hold a council meeting to make your word come to pass. Because it's not your word, it's his word. It's his word. If it's thus saith the Lord. If it's truly thus saith the Lord. Watch. Now they had the council. And so one spirit come up, must have come from the lower regions, no doubt bowed down and said, God, I'll, I'll, I, I know how we'll do it. So what's your plan? Said, I'll go down and get in all them preachers and make them prophesy a lie because they don't know the scripture anyhow. So I said, I'll go down and make them prophesy a lie. And by that, we'll raise him out and get him out there, and then you can have him killed out there to fulfill Elijah's word. So, he said, you, you're, you'll persuade him. And so when he said this, now you can imagine how that bishop thought when that little bitty tube before 
preacher standing up there saying a word like that, he walked right up and smacked him right in the mouth. And he said, which way did the Spirit of God go when it left me? He said, you'll see someday sitting in a pen over there. Said, Elijah, um, Elijah had prophesied it, and Micah's vision compared with the Word of God. Now, if your faith says that, how many believes that there is such a thing as divine healing by Christ? Raise up your hand. All right. How many believes that you can be healed tonight? Raise up your hand. Well, there, there's your, your revelation comparing with the Word of God. Then it's got to come to pass. Amen. He's, he's got to do it if you really believe it. Just don't make believe it now. He won't bluff. Satan won't bluff, but you've got to have the goods. Ten days after Jesus gave the disciples power to cast out devils, we find them over there defeated on an epileptic case. And I can imagine uh, uh, one of them, Andrew, saying, Now, here's where I've done it down at Philippi. Here it is. Come out there, devil. Come out there, devil. No, he wouldn't come out. Peter said, You don't know how you do it. Here's the way we did it in Capernaum. Let me show you how you do it. Get a hold of him like this. Say, You do I am. I'm Simon Peter. Come out of there. The devil just kept on going. So after a while, the father looked up, and here comes Jesus come walking down. He said, Lord, I brought my child to your servants, and they could not do any good for him. He said, uh, Jesus said, I can't if you believe. He said, I, Lord, help my unbelief. He said, I believe. When Jesus went walking up, <laughs> that's all he had to do. The devil knew that there was something besides a man walking up there then. See? So then... Now, after it was all over, the devil left the child. After it was over, then the disciples called Jesus aside and said, Now, why couldn't we do it? Did you take the power back away from us? He said, No. I can show you where he give power, but I can't show you where he's taking it away. It's still there. You're just afraid to use it. He said, uh, why, couldn't we, why couldn't we cast him out? Jesus said, no, I didn't say because I took the power back. He said, Because of your unbelief. That's it, because you don't believe it. Now, Micah could have not had faith unless his vision would have compared with the Word of God. That's the way, in, when I was talking about Abraham and his seed after him, the only way I have faith with that vision in mind on that, that it's exactly the Word of God. Right. And then you got faith. I know it's so. When God says so, and He's promised it by His Word, and you were living in this day, He's running on schedule. Yes, sir. There is nothing going to stop it. It's going right on. And that's the reason I believe tonight that we're living in the shadows of the time. Just a minister here the other day, the boy's not here tonight. He's a Baptist and took all kinds of degrees. And they, his church turned him out, and his people sent to the insane institution, him and his wife. He was here last night. I agree with the brother exactly. And what it does, it never comes up to the great big ecclesiastic. It moves right down like Jesus did, like the prophets did, like the rest of Always right along with the poor people and it happens and it's gone. And they say, well, what happened? Uh, I didn't know it. Sure, he reveals it to those who are looking for him. Those who will sit still and listen for it a minute. And tear out your own thoughts and compare what you're listening at to the Word of God. Now, if Ahab would have sat down for a minute, or if that... A uh, uh, high priest or any of the, those prophets would have sat down and compared not what looked right, it looked right that belonged to Israel. But it ain't what it looks right, it's what God said about it. Right. See? If they'd have sat down and compared it 
It looks like that we ought to take and have our schools and our, our churches so highly PhD and LLD and we ought to have the biggest, finest buildings in the world and we ought to do all this, this reading, writing, and arithmetic. But that isn't what God said. He never said, go educate the people. That's all right. I'm not supporting my ignorance now by uh, using that for a crutch. But look, I'm saying this. Education's all right, but it'll never take the place of salvation. See? All ball games and, and frolics and so forth, that's all right, but it don't belong in the church. In the church, we want Christ. Not a form of Christ or a picture of Christ or a dead Christ or a tomb of Christ. We want a risen Christ who's alive with us, proving himself that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the church wants. What they ought to want. Depends on what the appetite is, see, and whether they will receive it or not. Now, he compared his vision then with what the Word of God said, and he stood right there before the two nations and told them. He said, you're not coming back. You're going to die on the ground. And you know what Ahab said? said, take this fellow back and tell the mayor of the city to put him in the jail and feed him with bread of sorrow and with waters of sorrow. And when I return in peace, that I, I'll take care of him when I get back. You know what Micah said? He turned around and looked at him and said, And if you get back at all, the Lord didn't speak to me. <laughs> oh, he knowed where he was standing. That's the way anyone was. That's what that little lady did about her little baby. When she's so sure if I prayed for it. That's what the lady with the big tumor back there. Laying back there, no matter what you had to do, plow to, come through the roof or anywhere. Just so she could get there, that's all she wanted. For it was her faith. It was compared to the Word of God. And she knew that Jesus Christ still lived. Therefore, she had faith and it happened. Now, now we find that that my uh, uh, everything that Micah had said, or Micah said, come to pass just exactly. And every prophet down through the age, now we're closing, down through the age, that every done anything with God took God's Word for the stand. Now, they didn't move from the Word. No matter what circumstances looked like, they didn't move from the Word. Noah, God told Noah it was going to rain. Noah never moved from that. He stayed right with it. No matter, maybe science, which they had greater than they got now. So they could build things and do things then we can't do now. And, and, and the science is this world. They built pyramids and the Sphinx and so forth that we couldn't produce like it. But uh, he said, uh, where's that rain coming from? Noah couldn't tell him that. He couldn't answer their question. But he knew God had spoke to him. So he's staying right with the word. He said, God said so. Okay? Abraham could not say when he's 100 years old how he's going to have a baby by Sarah and her 90. How you going to prove it to me? Here she is, she's old. Her womb's dried up and gone. Why, you all even have a family relationship for 20 years. And here you are, say you're going to have a baby. How are you going to do it? I don't know. Well, how do you know you're going to have it? God said so. Now, that's settled. Stay right with the Word. All true prophets stay with the Word. Sometimes it gets them in trouble. Most all the time does. But, it, but it, it's always the truth. The Hebrew children said, Our God's able to deliver us to that fiery furnace, but we're not going to bow down to anything else. That's one thing, sure. We'd rather burn than take it back. So it cost them a few hours a prayer one night and down the fiery furnace the next morning, but they had a conversation with one like the Son of God standing in there. See? But they stayed with the Word. Daniel said, I don't care how many declarations you make, 
I've got a habit of going to the window and raising it up towards the east and praying to my God. It cost him a night in lines then, but he stayed with the word. That's right. He come out. God always takes care of his word. Yeah. David, when he's up there that time before Saul, heard that big old glass come out there and said, Days of miracles just passed. There's no such thing. Uh, no, that was the 19 and, and uh, 61 version of it. I, I beg your pardon. I'll go back. He said, uh, some of you come over and fight me, you see. So uh, he said, uh, and all, Saul, head and shoulders above his army, and up there, and he said, well, he said, uh, I tell you, it's a bad thing. That man, boy, he'll, look what he'd weigh. And he's got a, well, his fingers are 14 inches long. He said, well, what? That's what the Bible says. And he had a, a spear like a weaver's needle, which is probably across that room. And he said, well, who could ever go up and fight a guy like that? And here come a little old, and all the army backed up the Israelites, you know, supposed to be God-fearing people, backed up and said, oh, my, oh, we can't do that, my, nobody touched that fellow. He said, I'll tell you what I do, there's no need to shedding so much blood. He said, uh, guess one of you come over and fight me, and ever who, if, uh, if you kill me and our armies, we'll serve you. See, that's where the devil likes to blow when he thinks he's got the edge on you, see. So one day he said it one time too often. There's a little bitty old guy standing there, kind of maybe stoop short, a little old kid, sheepskin wrapped around him like that, and a slingshot in his hand. And the guy come out and said, all oh, you over there that claim to be Christians, you know, so so and so. Uh, come over and uh, let's see this. It says see David said, uh, do you mean to tell me that you'll stand there and let that uncircumcised Philistine defy the armies of the living God? And his brother said, now you're getting naughty. I'm going to tell Papa on you when you go home. That's all I'm going to do. Now you're trying to show off. He said, I'm not showing off. But there's a crisis at hand. He said, there's something at hand. That man's defying the armies of the living God. So they took him up to Saul. And I imagine Saul saying, I admire your courage, son. But said, oh my. He said, well, you're nothing but a kid. And he's been a, he's been a warrior from his youth. You don't know how to use no sword or nothing. He said, but uh, look, he said, I got some experience I had one time. A lion come in, so I heard sheep. And a lion come in, got one of my father's sheep, and I, I, I killed him. And said, then a bear come in, and got one, I killed him. And said, then uh, how much more will God give that uncircumcised Philistine? Yeah, See? Said, a, a lion took one of my father's sheep and run out. And said, then what I did, I went after that sheep and brought him back. I like that courage, don't you? You know what? There's a many of you sheep out there that are not a lion, but a cancer or a tumor. Or some devil grabs you and run out. We're coming tonight. Try bring the father's sheep back. You be ready to yield yourself. The Christ of God is here. He'll bring you right safe back to health again. A sickness, affliction's got you. Last night, the wheelchairs, so forth, whatever. See, affliction takes you. The Father is here to deliver you. The Holy Spirit. David said, also now you're going to have to have some theological training before you go out yeah. to do that, you know. So he said, you just better take my scholarship. So, uh, so he put his big armor on him like that and poor little David went plumb down to the ground. He found out that the ecclesiastical vest of Saul didn't fit a man of God. So he didn't want any of his denominational papers. So he said, take that thing off of me. I've never proved it. I don't know nothing about it. But I do know about this. He said, let me go with what I got confidence in. And he took that little slingshot and went out there and God directed that rock and slew that giant. Why? He stayed with God. He stayed on his convictions. Right. 
ever true. Peter and John, when they passed through the gate called Beautiful, commissioned by God to go pray for the sick, there lay the man crippled in mother's wombs. He said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I'll give thee. So what you got? I got faith in Jesus Christ. You got the same? Yes, sir. Stand up on your feet then. Amen. Here you go. They just picked him up, then he went wobbling and wiggling, just kept holding him. Directly, he began to get a little better, and here he went walking. <laughs> well, I don't Stop with it. He stayed with his commission. He stayed with the Word. Jesus, when he was here on earth, the greatest of all, and never was one like him, and never will be one. But when Jesus is here on earth, he stayed with the Word. He defeated the devil with the Word of God. The devil said, it's tempting. He said, well, you know, uh, it's written. He said, yes, it's also written. He said, well, you know, I'm a theologian. He said, yes, and I am too. <laughs> he said, but it's written, he shall give his angels charge over thee. That's the same time the dash for yes. He says, it's also written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So get behind me. Here he went on. See, the word of God, all true prophets, all true Christians, all true believers stay with that word no matter what anybody says. You stay right with the word. They say the days of miracles is past. Don't you believe it? For the Bible said he's the same yesterday and forever. Amen. Well, you say we believe that. Well, if he's the same, then he'll act the same. He'll do the same. That, what good would it do me standing here and preach that if God wouldn't come down and say it's so? Now, you cannot say it's not the Word of God, so it is the Word of God. Here's evidences of others that's proved it. Do you believe it tonight with all your heart? Amen. All your heart you believe it? Let's bow our heads then just for a moment. Amen. Our Heavenly Father... I just now turned over the pages of the Bible. That is the written word. Now we want the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. May he walk down now in person and show to us his goodness and his mercy. May he show to us his resurrection. May he show his power that he's still the same. Now we're just a small people a persecuted, laughed at people. And that's what it's always been. And we like to stand with Paul tonight and say the way that they called heresy crazy. That's the way I worship the God of our fathers. And now, Lord, we're living in this great day that's been prophesied of unbelief on every hand. We have plenty of it. The world is just smothered down with it. And this lady will see in church age, even when your own church has been offended in you and gone back and took off at the things of the world. The church would have been better off if Jesus would have come 40 years ago for it than it is tonight. Because it's all broke up in all kinds of conditions and traditions and young ministers rising up out of the seminaries with their own mind and uh, things and not paying any attention to the Bible and taking traditions and so forth. And they're gone it up just like they've always done it. God, you still remain the same just as you did with back there in the days of, of the prophets. You're the same God today. I pray, Father, that you will manifest yourself to let the people know. Now, preaching, the world has been preached to death. The poor people don't know what to believe. They run here and there. Just as you said, in the last days, there will come a famine, not for the bread alone, but for hearing the true word of God. And if that time is nearing now, Lord, you said they would go east and west, north and south, seeking for the word of God. Now, Father, it's truly that way now. Hearing people say they will walk 30 miles over cobblestones barefooted to get into another good spiritual meeting like they used to have 40 years ago. But, oh God, where do they find it? They get in a bunch of man-made dogma 
But Lord, you promised it would be that way. We've seen you in that lady of sin church age. You were pushed out of your church. The only age they put you out of your own church and you were knocking at the door. If any man thirsts, I'll open and come in. Father, I pray there'll be many thirsty people here tonight. That'll thirst. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now we as your church submit ourselves to you. May you deal with us as your children. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What's the prayer cards give out today? Well, let's not use them. Let's let God be your prayer card tonight. I just feel led to do this. Before we... Yes, sir. These are claws that we pray over. According to Acts 19, 1911, we find out. Now, how many here doesn't have a prayer card? Raise up your hands. You don't have prayer cards in your state. Uh, how many's got prayer cards and raise up your hand? Oh my. One, two, I guess there is more 30 with prayer cards and about 300. That's sick. <laughs> All right, so the majority is on the other side. Let's just hold on prayer cards till some other night. Let's just say this. If God remains God, and forgive me for making that sacrilegious remark, God is God. And if he's God, his word still remains the same. And the Bible says that by his stripes you were healed. If that Lord Jesus would come tonight, which he would have been the end of time, we know that. But if he was to appear here tonight and was standing here on this platform as you see me standing, and you come to him and say, Lord, will you heal me? He could not do it. He'd be defying his own law. See, he'd say, I have already done it. By his stripes we were healed. He might kind of get on to you for not believing it, but he would, uh, by his stripes you were healed. Now, how many has been here and here? He preached last Sunday afternoon on the seat of Abraham. And how that uh, you've heard it and so forth. Now, when Jesus is here on earth, let's just see what he was here on earth. When he was here on earth, he had prayer lines, I guess, sure. But many times he stood... Look out upon the audience and tell the people. Is that right? How many knows by scriptural reading that was his Messiah sign? How many scripture Bible readers know that? You mean there's only that many Bible readers in here tonight that knows that? About one third of the people put up their hands. How many Pentecostals are in here tonight? Raise up your hand. Shame on you or your pastor one. <laughs> Don't know what the sign of Messiah was? What did Moses say the Messiah would be? The Lord your God shall raise up a, a teacher, a prophet, liken it to me. And when they seen, and God said, if there be a prophet and he does the sign of the prophet and it comes to pass, then you believe him because I'm, I'm, I, that's my word. But if it doesn't, then don't believe him. Now, when Jesus was on earth, the way he proved himself to be Messiah, I want to show some of you Pentecostal people this. Look at that Samaritan woman. Now, as long as you've been in Pentecost, yet that ill-famed Samaritan woman knowed more about the Bible when she's seen Jesus than you know. 
Because when Jesus talked to her and said, Woman, uh, go get your husband. She said, I have none. She said, uh, he said, that's true. You got had five, and the one you're living with now is not yours. So you said the truth. And she said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. We know when the Messiah cometh, he'll tell us them things. She knew that'd be the sign of the Messiah. See? And he said, I'm he that speaks to you. She ran into the city and she said, Come see a man who told me the things I've done. Isn't this the very Messiah? And the Bible said that that entire city believed on Jesus because that the, of the woman's word. Now, how many knows that's the truth? See? Well, if that was sign of Messiah yesterday, now he, you can't find one scripture where he did that before the Gent, uh, to the Gentiles now. Because the gospel had yet gone to the Gentiles. But he did promise that at the end of the Gentile age, when the Gentiles now are looking for a Messiah, are we? Well, then if he appears in a different form than he did then, then it's the same Messiah. So he's got to come to the Gentiles and the same thing. And Jesus said he would. said, as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And we find out that when the Lord came down in human flesh before Abraham, the elected church, when... A modern Billy Graham and them went down and preached down in Sodom down there to bring Lot and the church down there out. But to the elect bunch, the angel sat with his back turned to the tent and told what Sarah was doing in the tent. Is that right? And Jesus said the same thing would take place just before the coming of the Son of Man. Now, don't be moving around. Sit quiet. Be ready. How many out there believes that he's still the same God? All right, you pray. Just have faith. Don't doubt. Pray. And now, before God Almighty, who is my judge, but this audience of people, the purchase of his blood, I'm going to see if there's anybody here that I actually know in the building. Now, if I'm not mistaken, right here on this end, this man sitting here, he and his wife, I think I know them people. Is that right, sir? And I, I think this is our precious brother that always brings the flowers here and the lady sitting on the end. I think I know them. And right behind there is my good friends. The next two back is brother and sister Docks from up in Ohio. Isn't that right? That's you, Sister Docks. Brother Dox. Now back down that way, I don't see no one. And through here. This isn't Brother Stricker sitting right here on front. Is it the, right here with the yellow shirt on? Is your... No. And uh, I know Brother Stricker's here somewhere because I see him today, but I don't know where he's at. And... Uh, oh, yeah, way back over in the corner, way back in the back. But just to see, I, I guess that's all that I know in the audience. Now you pray and you believe and you say this. Lord Jesus... I know that the, that man up there is just a man, see? But I do believe that we're living in the last days. And here I am sitting here, and I'm sick. And the Bible tells me that you're a high priest that I can touch by the feeling of my infirmities. Will all of you agree on that? That's the Bible. Well, then, when that high priest was here on earth, a woman one day touched his garment. And she said, if I touch his garment, I'll be made well. So she touched him and went off sat down, probably like you are there, or stood up, whatever way it was. Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? Who touched me? And Peter rebuked him and said, everybody was touching him. But he said, I perceive I've gotten weak. 
virtue's gone out of him. And he looked around over the audience until he found the woman and told her about her blood issue and told her her faith had saved her. Is that right? How many know Jesus did that? Say amen. amen. Well, how many knows the Bible said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Amen. amen. Then the Bible said it right now, at this moment, he's your high priest sitting at the right hand of the majesty, making intercessions upon your confession, and is a high priest that can be touched right now by the feeling of your infirmities. Say amen. amen. All right, now you just, I yield myself. It's a gift. Yes, sir. Gift of God. It won't work without you. You're the one who has to have the faith. Look, the Roman that put a rag around his face and took a stick and hit him on top of the head with it in the courts that morning and said, if you are a prophet, tell us who hit you. Jesus never opened his mouth. He never felt a bit of virtue. That Roman soldier didn't. Jesus sat there, spit all over his face, the beard bleeding, a rag around his face like this, and a Roman soldier standing there half drunk, maybe with a reed, saying, hey, they tell me you're a prophet. You can discern the thoughts of the heart. Tell us who hit you. Tell me who hit you, and I'll believe you. He never done a thing. When Satan said, if thou be the Son of God, perform a miracle right here. Let me see you do it. Let me see you do it. Perform a miracle, and I'll believe you. He said, get behind me, Satan. You've heard him yet today saying, let, let me see these divine healers do this. Well, sure. Certainly. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Jesus still remains. We keep our eyes on Jesus, not on critics. On Jesus. Got your eyes on Christ. Uh, on Christ, you won't see the critics. Just keep moving. I know he's the same. To me, he's my God. That's right. My Savior. Now, you pray, you out there. And let's see. If he'll do the same thing to all you newcomers here tonight that's never been in the meetings before, will it make you believe? Raise your hands and say, I, I believe. About three hands. That's why America's in her gleaning. There's about two-thirds of the crowd said a while ago they were newcomers. I said, how many will believe if Christ will appear here and do the same thing he did when he was living? Three hands went up. Now you can see why the tapes and what the prophecies are saying. All right. You real believers, old. Start believing. Start thinking. Start praying. makes me say things I don't want to say and it bothers me just a minute. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll be merciful, God. I don't know, maybe if it's not your will, then of course, Father, it will not be. But I pray that you'll grant it, that these people might know that I've spoke of you. You speak that I've told the truth, Lord. You let it come back. I know you're here. Well, with the honest shadow of doubt, Lord, I know you're right here. And I pray that you'll grant it. I've been preaching hard and rebuking people and Tell them of their unbelief. And no matter how much they go to church and how much they sing, how much they dance and whatever they did, Lord, unless they are believers, they are they're lost. And I pray, Lord, you let that be known truth tonight. Unbelief is the only sin we have. And I pray, Father, that you let it be known. Let them not trust in their own righteousness. Them Pharisees and priests were just as righteous as they could be. So they didn't do anything evil, wouldn't speak a bad word, wouldn't scold anyone or anything. And you told them they were of their father, the devil. 
because they didn't believe you and know you was the Messiah. And Father, with that, seeing your same spirit come and do it tonight, I scream the same thing. Stand by me, Lord. I'm your servant. In Jesus' name, I commit myself to you at this audience. Go through this audience, Lord, and pick out them there. Give them faith and let them touch you tonight with their sickness and their troubles. You prove that you are God. And speak, Lord. We are waiting on you in Jesus' name. Amen. I know he's here. Thank you, Lord. That man sitting over here on my right-hand side, colored man sitting there praying on the end of the seat. Are you going to believe with all your heart, sir? The woman sitting back there with diabetes, sitting right second one in there, looking at me. You believe that God will heal you and make you well with diabetes? Sitting right here looking right at me. If you will believe it, you can have it. What about you, Reverend? What do you think about it? you think that God will make, take them spiritual problems away from you and make you to believe? All right, you can have what you ask for. Then. God bless you. What did he touch? This lady sitting right out here on the end of the row, colored lady, sitting right out there with cancer. You think God will make you well, lady? You have a prayer card? You don't need one. You're healed. You ought to answer right there, lady. You missed it. Here. Kind of a heavy set lady sitting right here looking at me right down here. Wearing glasses, hair done back, has a female trouble sitting there praying. You believe God will heal you, lady? You believe it with all your heart? You have your you got a prayer card? Well, you won't have to use it. Your faith made you whole. <laughs> I'll turn my back. You pray this side. There's a lady sitting right back here that's got heart trouble. And she's got arthritis. Right here. Miss Brady, stand up. I don't know, lady, but they're missing it. 
What's the matter with that unbelieving here tonight? Shame on you. Here, right down the road from the lady, about one, two, three, four ladies. A lady sitting there has weak spells. Well, she, don't miss it, sister. Miss Rice, raise up and accept your healing. Amen. You believe with all your heart? Yes, that's a lady over here in a dying condition with a cancer sitting over. Miss Skelton, will you believe with all your heart? Rise up and receive your healing in the name of Jesus Christ. If I don't know you, lady, wave your hands like this and we're strangers to one another. Wave your hands back and forth if I don't know you. You see? Don't you believe? What's the matter with you Pentecostal people? Don't you know what Christ is? You want to be healed? Then stand up on your feet and accept it. I, I challenge you to believe it in the name of Jesus. Stand up, put your hands on one another and accept your healing. You pray yourself. Pray for yourself while I'm praying for you. Heavenly Father, I give to you this audience of people. In the name of Jesus Christ, heal every one of them, Lord. Let your spirit and power come upon them and make them well. Through the glory of God and for the glory of God, I ask you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Every sinner that's in here that don't know God as your Savior, would you come up here and accept him as your Savior now? Come out up here now. I challenge you to come up here now and receive Christ as your Savior. Will you come? Unbeliever that was a while ago and wants to accept. God bless you, sirs. Come right on. That's it, young man. That's it. Oh, that's right. You that didn't believe a few minutes ago and now you want to ask God to forgive you for your unbelief, come up around the altar. Come on now. Only believe. Oh.
You won't receive a real, so there'll be a false one give you. Jesus said, I come in my own name, you receive me not. Another will come and you'll receive him. Remember, I quote his word. It's on tape, on record. You better receive him while you can. Because there's many things in the world that's ready to come to pass. The insect that's never been hatched out before will come forth. Now's the time to get right. You better do it before you... Then after a while, the mercy seat's going to move away. And there won't be any more redemption. So come while you can. If there's one speck of God calling you, move out right now. So I'll be sure. Let me be sure. One more time only, please. All together. Only. I keep feeling it's somebody out there. Somebody somewhere. Now you're standing here penitent, 
You want to be right with God, I want to meet you in a better land than what this is. And I'm telling you, my brother and sister, Christ still is. Christ is here. He's near the end of time to me. I believe he's coming in this generation. I believe this generation shall see Jesus come. I do it with all my heart. I somehow got a feeling that I may see him come. And in me, an old man, I still believe I may see him come. Now, I want everybody in here to pray in your own way, confess your fault, say, God, I'm sorry. And each one in the building, you that's sinful and standing here, say, God, forgive me. I want to be a Christian from tonight on. And you that's here confessing, you've been slowful and you, you haven't been able to comprehend it. Say, now, Lord, here I'm standing here. I've got my heart open, my arms up to you, my faith looks to thee. And when they do that, then I believe God will fill you with the Holy Spirit and give you uh, the real thing. If the Holy Spirit is in here, if you really had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, brother, it's got to bear witness of this because it is the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, we all want to bow our heads reverently now. Be it just break silently to yourself just for a moment.
that this vision is of God because it's according to his word. And here stands Abraham's seed, the elected church coming out, wanting to be ready to come to El Shaddai to draw the strength from God for the changed body to receive the Son when he comes. I pray that you'll grant it, Lord, to them tonight, every one of them. Give them the desire of their heart. Forgive the sinner. Bring the backslider back, Lord. Take all the doubt out of the believer's heart. Make this a great hour, Lord. I believe you're here. I know you're here. And your, your spirit is moving. We feel the sweetness of your presence. We see you moving through the audience, doing just what you said you would do. Now, Father, we thank you for doing this. We believe, and I take every one of these souls that's been in this altar as your servant. I stand between them and death. I stand between them and the unbelief. And I pitch myself in the way in the name of Jesus Christ and say to Satan that binds them, you cannot hold them any longer. I challenge every devil that's present. Leave these people. Come out of them. You cannot hold them no longer. Their sins are forgiven. Their unbelief is gone. They are children of God from this hour on. Their ministry is in their life will be great. The power of God shall accompany them everywhere they go. They shall be God's children from this hour on. Satan, I'm talking to you. Leave them in the name of Jesus. Come out of them. Uh, everyone, if you believe it, raise up your hands and give me praise. And you can be both from here free tonight.